harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Hello people, welcome to Ink Pulp Audio 9. I'm a little cranky. I didn't get to the gym tonight. I have this thing with schedules. It's like I want to live this life where everything's happening when I want it to and it's very regimented and nothing gets in the way, but that's not life. Life gets in the way. So it was curriculum night at the kids' school and I stayed home, did homework with them and my wife went. So I didn't get to go to the gym, so then that stresses me out and... I like to go to the gym, then come back, put in another couple hours at the studio, then go home for the night. So normally I'd be home by now. It's 9.45. No, I'd, I'd be heading home, and here I am starting this. This is the, uh, the podcast that I started because my life was too busy. So my solution was, hey, let's, uh, let's start something else. We'll add to, the, add to the mix. And this has become a part-time, part-time job in terms of time i i like it and i'm glad you people like it so if i'm cranky that's why you know i also with with the gym i've gotten back into yoga finally which i used to do and it really for me was the best kind of workout i think i think everybody would enjoy exercise but you, you got to find the exercise that works for you you know, it's like some people like to play competitive sports. That was never me. I was always a little kid getting my ass kicked. Uh, so you got to find what, what works for you. And for, for everyone, it's different. Some people, it's spinning. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's yoga because it's, it's a mental workout. As much as it is a physical workout, and it is, it's a mental workout. And, and the whole approach to yoga is to put yourself in these physically stressful positions they, they're, and hold them. They're, they're hard to hold and they hurt. And in that stressful, physically stressful and emotional, I guess, stressful time, the goal is to find peace and calm in that moment. So with breathing and meditation while holding these strenuous poses, you slowly train your mind to be able to find calm and ease under pressure and under stress, which, as you know by listening to this, makes sense that I would like that because it works. It, re- it works for me quite a bit, and, and I feel really good now that I'm back into it, and, and it helps a lot, and, and I feel much better in life generally. So, you know, it's nice to be able to, like, uh, honestly... In, it's made the, uh, the the drawing process so much more enjoyable. Uh, and um, the the pressure of the deadline is so much more tolerable now. So th- that's been good for me. So I didn't get to my yoga tonight, so I'm under stress, self-imposed, and I'm trying to find calm, and I will. You know, I've got a few rants I want to go on. Uh, you know, I'm I'm tired of this false reality. I'm tired of so this. I don't know if it's just cultural for us, but people build careers off doing nothing but having a presence on social media, or you know the, the 
there's the Kim Kardashians and all that nonsense. But that doesn't stop with television. It's in music. It's in comics. And there's there's plenty of people in comics who have built careers off a perceived value. Because they're all over the place, people perceive them to be have some sort of value in their stock. That, oh, well, so-and-so, I see them all over and, and they have a bunch of followers. I, I should hire them. And, and you know, I'm just one of the guys. I, I'm going to put in the work. I'm just, I hate this. And, and I'm, I'm at the gym and, and I do some cardio a couple days a week. And, and this new JLo video came on and it's just, it's bullshit. The whole video, it looks like it's probably Spanish Harlem. And she's dressed to be like someone who lives in Spanish Harlem, who doesn't have a lot of money with like the old school like southern maid bandana tied up her hair she's doing laundry and it's just bullshit that's not you but that's what you're selling i'm from the hood fuck off that's bullshit and and i'm just sitting there watching this and i'm just like this is what we this is what everything we see it's all fake and somebody fucks up in the media and somebody does something stupid or they reveal who they are like chris brown you know, that, that dude's a fucking monster. And, oh, it's all PR. You, I can see it. It's transparent. That's what I don't understand about everyone watching this shit. It's transparent. You can see this is all a PR maneuver. You know, okay, be quiet for a little while. We'll record a new album, and then we'll get you in the front of the right people. And now everyone forgets that you beat the shit out of Rihanna. You know, why does he deserve another record deal? And I'm a hypocrite. Because at times I've been known to say, well, I, I don't judge an artist. I, I judge their work. But, you know, there's a line. I mean, like, I, def I don't defend Woody Allen, but I love his movies. And he's a creepy dude. And when he did marrying his, his daughter, that's fucking weird and uncool. But Chris Brown, whatever, dude. So anyways, I'm watching this J-Lo video. And, and it's just getting to me, and, and it's good because I, I get running pretty fast because I'm getting heated. I'm just getting tired of this. I see it so... You know, you have kids in this world, and you see this shit, and it's like, I got I to gotta tell my kids every day, like, don't pay attention to this shit. Celebrity is not important. It means nothing. You, it, it, these people are not being celebrated for any kind of accomplishment. J-Lo is a good marketer. She has a good team of marketers. So I'm watching this video, and then who's the guest rapper? Nas. Well, Nas, what the fuck? I mean, I get it. You got to pay your bills. And, and I'm not that Nas is hurting, but I mean, I, I get it. I feel like such a hypocrite, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where, where how, how to to deal with this because it's sickening but then part of me is like well you know it's not a bad career move it'll expand his audience but you know what no fuck that know your audience be true to them the, i mean you can't please everyone i think what's nice about now and the success of louis ck brings it all home he didn't focus on finding the biggest audience he could find he focused on his audience and giving them the best of himself 
and through that found success. I think because of the, the, the days that we live in now with social networking and, and the internet and all the DIY stuff you can do, you don't need to have huge number of followers or, or a huge number of audience to be successful. You don't, if you're a musician, don't have to be on the billboard charts to be successful because now you don't need the record companies who take a large chunk of the money and a large chunk of, of your IPs to be successful. Now you can do what someone like Louie does and you just do it your way and you find your audience, and you cut out the stuff you don't need. Image Comics is doing really well right now under this same idea. So anyway, so Nas comes on, and I'm just like, you know, and I, I know I've talked about it, and, and Kari and I get into it today, and that's why I'm going off on this today. Today's episode is with Kari Randolph, and we have, we have a really nice talk uh, about fatherhood, fathers and uh, hip-hop, and we, we talk about Nas... Because I think Scotty and I addressed Nas, and then Kari had to wanted to further that conversation, so it's in there. So look, you know, I I, I love Illmatic. That I, I think that's one of the, if not the most incredible lyrical accomplishment in hip hop music. Uh, that album never gets old. I never get tired of it. His vision was crystal clear. He had excellent production, which is where I think he suffers the most now. I think he he doesn't he doesn't seem to know what to say. He doesn't know what he wants to say as much. Every now and then you get a song that's it. But Nas, you came from the the core of hip hop. Just do that, and you'll be good. But you know, then it's like the J Lo video. I don't know. Where do you stand? I, I mean, you gotta have you gotta know what you, what you're your brand is you got to know what you do and if all your brand is is being seen it's empty it's shallow whatever but if if you really know what you're doing just just be true to it don't just do things assuming it'll help you i think in the long run it'll hurt you so you know there there's that and and that shit got under me and also lately i've been thinking like i, I we we've built up this whole system of, of rules and how to live and what you're supposed to do and that that's caused me so much pain in life um i'm just now starting to realize it and i'm ready you know get get a job get insurance do this do that and and you forget this is your life this is my life you got to remember that it's yours you're never stuck you can do whatever you choose to do. Choice. Take choice back. That's what I'm trying to do. But you've got, this, you've got the power of choice. You don't like where you live? Move. Just do it. Why do, why do we, we, we build our own prisons? This is something I've talked about with a lot of people lately. We build our own prisons and then we complain. Maybe I shouldn't project. I build my own prisons, and then I complain to high fucking hell about them. And now I'm aware of it. So I apologize. All my friends out there, you're probably tired of hearing a bunch of my shit. Well, I'm aware of it now, so you won't. But, you know, it's like you build your own prison, and you're unhappy in it. 
and then you complain about it. But, you know, there's an innocence to it because when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the zone, it's hard to say, hey, this is my life. You know, if you're unhappy at a job, get the fuck out. Get a better job. A job that makes you happy. God, that is so strange for some people to hear. Get a job that makes you happy. It's again building our own prison. Uh, do not conform. Don't do it. Do what you want to do. Oh man, you know, and having an art career and being a conformist. Welcome to the pain I felt over the past fucking five years. But I don't know. Enough about that. I'm I'm dealing with it now. I feel good. I have clarity, and and I, I know I've been been ranting quite a quite a bit here. You're probably tired of hearing me. So for that, I apologize, but I got some shit to get off my chest. Um, you know, like I, I uh, a, a prison I built. I was my pages were taking a while, and and I always knew that working digitally would probably go faster, but I I, I don't know. It was a it was a principal thing. I was taking a stand. Then I started thumbnailing digitally, and I saw all the wonderful and truly wonderful aspects. Thumbnailing digitally. If you're not going to do anything digitally, you you got to thumbnail digitally. The editing capabilities of that alone are, are just fucking phenomenal. And then I started penciling digitally, and everything I did sped me up and made it made it go quicker. And then, I, you know, as the last front, I was like, I'm not going to give up my inks. I'm not going to give up my inks. And... and to have that attitude that because I'm going to ink on a computer means I'm not going to ink regularly anymore is retarded. That's, that's living in absolutes, which I realize is not a good thing to do, and, and I'm working my way through that. So I started inking digitally. I, I'm penciling and inking a page in a day, in a work day, in a normal work day. And, and I, I, uh, I've, been, I've done... Shit, I, I've only done about 12 pages that way, and now they, they look... As good, if not better, than what I was doing before. Traditionally, that was taking twice as long. Seriously, twice as long. If if penciling, I can pencil ink a page. Let you know. Let's say today I penciled ink a page in in eight hours. I was looking at probably twelve to sixteen hours the other way. So there's that, and it, it looks good. And I got to tell you, Manga Studios, a cool fucking program. I recommend it highly. It's really awesome. Students of mine. Get ready in the fall because I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a bunch of that stuff, along with traditional inking. And I do believe that without knowing traditional inking like I do, that I wouldn't be successful doing it now. All right, so uh, today we got Kari. Uh, me and Kari are gonna get get busy on the mic in a little bit here. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say other than um. So I just got to run through my head here because I don't script any of this. It's off the cuff. It's how I roll. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you for all the support. Ink Pulp Audio is doing well. Episode 9. Uh, last month was DMC, which was really, really awesome experience I got to have. And I thought it'd be good to follow up that one with the Kari episode to keep in line with the hip-hop theme. So, uh, you know, I'll probably take a break from the hip-hop theme after this one, but let's keep it going. So, enjoy it.
hit me on Twitter. Oh, go to iTunes if you're not subscribing. Please subscribe. And if you are subscribing, please leave feedback. Uh, all these things help eventually, I guess, with ratings and stuff. My downloads are looking good, but I certainly would love a lot more. They're doing great. And I'm always, uh, I'm still looking to grow for, I mean, it's only nine, nine months in, nine episodes in. So it's, it's going well. But please spread the word if you like this to anyone you think that might enjoy it. Uh, I guess that's about it. I will stop boring you. Excuse my crankiness tonight, but God damn it, I didn't get to yoga. the headphones i'll be good but i feel, right. feel a little naked all right uh welcome to ink pulp audio today i got kari randolph here what's up what's up what up kari what's going man um i'll tell you what what sparked this initially was you said something about feeling your age physically <laughs> yeah what's going on man you, you know uh it's funny man when you when you hit 30 you start uh I hit a point at 30 when I was basically, I was working at this uh, this animation company, and I got laid off from my job, and I broke up with my longtime girlfriend in like 10 years, and everything just hit me at once, like, yo, what the hell am I doing with my life, man? Wait, how like, long ago was this? This was, uh, this is 2009. All right, so were you 34? Yeah, so I'm 34 now. Okay. Yeah, so like... Everything in my world just changed, like within a matter of months, and I was just like, I, you know, I was I was working, I was getting good money, and all of a sudden I had nothing, and I was just like, what what's next, you right. know? And then, you know, eventually I got over it, but it was definitely a moment in my life when I was like, all right, I have to get my shit together and just uh, focus on something and, and just go, and so. You know, and nowadays I'm, I'm perfectly like I love being in my thirties. There's a certain confidence that comes when you're just like, all right, you know what? I'm out. I'm not out here trying to impress y'all. I'm just trying to do, do thing. my thing. Yeah, I think I think something happens, uh, especially in in the freelance type of industry, um, where you kind of come to terms with like, where am I going? Yeah, and what's the long? What's the end game? Yeah, because you're young. You spend so much time trying to get in the game yep. and then you get in and the game is is just exhausting and, and it's relentless. A, it's never ending hustle. Like right. even when you're in, you're still worried about that next job yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and making the, the rent and keeping your clients happy. And, it's, and then you haven't even thought about, wait a minute, what's my future look like? Am I, do I have money stashed away? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I was talking with with this, uh, with Mark Brooks yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was on the podcast. I don't remember, but even Panosian was talking about this. Yeah, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately because you know I got the the full time job too, um, which I envy at times, man. Yeah, th- this is important. I, I think it's good to talk about that because yeah. you know I, I spend so much time like 
with my teaching job, trying to get my comics career off the ground, yep. thinking, all right, I'm going to shift. Um, like I saw the teaching job kind of as a as a time burden yep. and as, as an obstacle. But, you know, I'm just the older I'm getting and having kids and talking to everyone else, um, it's like, wait a minute, I got... I got a, I got some security. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> I don't even I, know what that means I right have, now. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I've got insurance, and and I, and people would always say to me, "Man, you're lucky." Yep. And I would, and I was just like, "What do you mean I'm lucky? I'm, my career in comics isn't isn't taken off the way I had hoped." Yeah. You know, it's starting to now, but back then it wasn't. And uh, but I think it's also a thing where you know when I was working full time and I had you know salary and benefits and everything. All I cared about, and this is the art job too. Like, yeah. even then, I was just like, man, I would just wish I was on my own drawing comic books. That's all I care about. Right, right, right. And then when you're doing that, I'm doing everything I wanted to be doing right now, and I'm just like, God, it was so nice getting that regular check, man. Oh man, yeah. those benefits, man. Just quitting the job at like six o'clock and then going home. Yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. That, Turn that it off. There's no turning it off. But at least not for me. No, 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 no. Um, it, it's find that middle ground. That's the trick. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. You're never happy. You no. know, the grass is always greener. I mean, I've got myself to a position now where the only difference between well, well work in my job mm-hmm. and and then in comics on a good year, I can produce five issues with my job. Right. Okay. So the difference would probably be, and I was talking to Sean Murphy about this last night, three issues. That's the difference. If I quit my, my, my job, mm-hmm. I'm producing three more issues. Right. That's not a game breaker. Not at all. So Your my name's whole still thing, out there. Right, right. My whole thing was finding that balance to where my, my day job and my comics job were kind of tolerant of each other. Right. And I've, I've, I've hit it. Now, the thing is, well, I crack in the middle. That's, yeah. that's what only time will tell. I, dude, I, I, I'm the wrong person. Like, I don't know anything about balance. I mean, when I when I got back into comics, because I was in comics for a couple of years. Right. Um, from, like, 2003 to, like, 2006. Then I left to do animation. Then I came back, and I was just like, all right, I have to reestablish myself. So I, it, you know, it, it's debatable whether it was stupid or smart, but I took on two different books at the same time two monthlies two well semi-monthlies i did starborn for boom which was a monthly book Mm -hmm. and then i also did Kara's magic for aspen at the same time and that book was more like a eh, tried to do like every other month or so you know it was definitely kind of late here and there and but that was brutal dude like it was just like i'm glad i did it just to say i could do it but at the same time it like I felt like I was gonna die like every month, man. It was yeah. It was that's a hard awful. life. That's a hard life. Yeah. Do you um when you're working, do you feel like you're rushing just to get it done, and do you feel like your quality's suffering, or like I, I feel like there's like there's there's different artists like DNA wise. Like I'm, yeah. the, I have to take it a little slower to feel like I'm I'm doing my best work. But then there are other artists that say they need to be moving faster to feel like they're doing their best work. I feel like that depends on the time in the month that you ask me. If it's <laughs> if it's like the first 15 days of the month, you know, I'm producing like I'm, you know, a page every day, every other day. 
And okay. it's like this is the stuff I'm like, yeah. This, is that this pencils is, and inks? This is it. Well, you know, my process is like it's pencils, and then I scan them in and kind of darken them and and finish them in, in Photoshop. Okay, okay. So my inking process is not the same as like traditional inking. Right, right. I um, guess we should clarify. Everybody's process now yeah, is, my process, is unique. It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, it works for me, but I wouldn't suggest it for so everybody. So it takes you about a day, a day and a half. I'd say like a day and a half per page. Okay, all um, right. But you know that That's second half terrible. of the month when I'm like, oh wait, that deadline's coming. Like then you that's when it's it like, you you know, I definitely cut a little corners here and there, sure. or uh, you know, there might be some more silhouettes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe not as many backgrounds. Just trying to get it done. So it's that's why I always like. I never draw the last page last because oh, I really? want to make sure that page is like you know you go out with a bang, right? But you know maybe like page eighteen, page nineteen might be a little, little iffy, little iffy. That's know. funny. I'm OCD. I, I ha- like I have to work in order. Oh, I never That's do that. <laughs> never do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll work by scene. You know, like I'll do scenes in order, mm-hmm. but like pages themselves, I mean, nah. I do panels in. order. I can't I start when I pencil. I start with panel one and go to the last panel, last page. No, because I'm so undisciplined, man. Like, <laughs> like I'll, I will draw the coolest thing on the page and get it out the way first. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Like most guys, if I was smart, I would probably draw the thing that I hate the most first, which is like backgrounds. But no, I'm always like, nah, big splash page, big dude punching up, <laughs> dude in the face. That's what I'm drawing first. <laughs> That, that's and, like eating your dessert before dinner. Yeah, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. But but also, the, you know, because uh, I work in, mainly in pencils, I have to be careful of how I work because I'm left-handed. So yeah, I'm if left-handed I draw from too. left to right, I'm smudging oh, everything. Oh, right, and you're scanning your pencil. So Yeah, and yeah. I have to keep my pencils, like, super clean. What are you penciling with? Um, I start with a, with a blue pencil. Okay. To, you know, because, like, that's, I basically... Let's get nerdy. What kind of blue pencil? It's the, uh, like, the, the mechanical ones, like the kind okay. of, I forget what they're called. They're not like the mechanical ones where they're like. The clutch grip lead holder? Yeah, the lead holder. Okay. That's the one. All right. And you're using that, that uh, Kohenor blue lead? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that stuff's pretty waxy. Yeah. So actually, well, the way I first start is like, I'll lay out the page on my Cintiq first. Okay. And then I'll print that out. And I'll use that as a guide, but that that layout's like super loose. Then I'll uh, go over that again with the blue pencil mm-hmm. and do like another clean layer where I get all the proportion, the anatomy, Structure. everything right. Yeah, everything correct. And then I'll go over that again with an F pencil. Okay, that's like a nice solid dark line. Right, which is like it's nice, but it's dark, but it's not like. Like a two B or something right, that's like super soft. soft, so it doesn't smudge too much. Uh huh. But uh, it smudges a little bit. So you I ever have to be you ever use uh, pounce? It's um, no. It's an old architect's um, tool. It's it's a powder mm-hmm. that you you, you kind of sprinkle and uh, mudge around on the paper, mm-hmm. and it prevents it absorbs some moisture of your hand, so it it prevents some smearing action. No, but I need that. I would assume it's still made. <laughs> yeah, um, I've never heard of it before. Yeah, it's old school, man. It's old school. But I think if you go to like Pearl or something, you'll mm-hmm. you'll find it. It's just called Pounce. That's because in the summer months when like it gets like hot and mm-hmm. humid, that it it's a struggle to keep those pages clean. Because yeah. like last week it was like ninety degrees in New York, 
And man, I was just like, man, I was just, my hand was sweating. And I was just like, I could have used that so much then. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would try it out. Yeah. See how it goes. I'll look into it. All right, but um, backing up a second here, you yep. were, I want to talk, you were gotten into physical pain. We, you, we were, Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, what it what is it? What's going on? You, you feeling your body slowing down? On oh you? yeah, I'm a mess, man. I mean, no. Let me take that back. I I exaggerate a little bit. I'm actually um, I'm pretty good, but I definitely have days when like you know, either it's like back pain from yeah. like arch arching over yeah. a board all day long, or like you know my hand will cramp up mm-hmm. just from holding the pencil so tight. Just some days you just wake up, man. It's just like. Ugh, I know what happened. I know. Man. I feel like an old man. I groan when I get up in the morning. I'm, Every day, I, like, sh- like, I call. Yeah, I call it the <laughs> South Florida shuffle when I get up in the morning. I'm like an old person in Miami shuffling around. Yeah, man, you do but, that stretch where it's just yeah, everything cracks. Oh, it's awful. I don't, something happens and it's at thirty. Yeah, it's thirty. You just start man. to feel your shit, and then at forty, man, my I'm. Oh, I don't even- <laughs> I'm in daily pain. It's not horrible. It's nothing. But I mean, I'm just like, God damn. I feel like you have to stay in shape in order to maintain daily pain. Yes. So that big pain stays at bay. Yeah. But yeah. even then, I'd say once every other month, I have a minor injury from working out. Yeah. And, and working out is, frankly... It's awful. I mean, it's it's great, but like, you ha- you know you've had a good workout when you wake up the next morning and you're in more pain. Right, right. <laughs> it is and like you don't heal. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I would I weight trained hardcore. Mm-hmm. If I was stiff, I was a little stiff for a day. But right. now, stiff now is like ow. Yeah. And it's a week long to yeah. a month long. It's like what? What's the point of this, man? Like yeah. I'm staying in shape so that I have less pain, and then I work out and I'm in more pain. Right. That's well, you're point, avoiding you know? the the big the big pain. Yeah. The hopefully. The, the big problems. Hopefully. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> there's no guarantees. <laughs> Trying to keep it at bay, but yeah, aging's hard, man. Aging sucks. No, aging is great. Aging's very good. It's great. There's there's a certain distance uh, and clarity of mind you have. Yeah, yeah. When you get to a certain age, when you just like, uh, you know what? Don't stress over this shit. It's not that important, right? You know, right. I mean, I mean the small things, right? Right. You know? Well, yeah, I'm trying. I'm the big things. There's, there's plenty more things replace the small stresses in life. Like, oh my god, when am I gonna have kids? When am I gonna, you know, get a house? I don't own a house. I don't own property. Is know? that stuff you want? I feel like as an adult, you're supposed to have it. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> <You> but <know? laughs> this is your life, man. Don't let other people tell you to do I, it. I, yeah, of course. You know, I would like. You to, do you want kids? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd like kids one day. I, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like I I, ha- I want to have kids just so I can um, I can impart upon all the mistakes I made and all the stuff I had to deal with uh, growing up, and I want to make sure my kid doesn't deal with that. I understand that. So I'm in touch with that. You know. So. Can we talk about childhood? Let's, let's talk let's about childhood. Who doesn't love talking about childhood? <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, I'm born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, that's right. It's your town. I see you tweeting all the time. People hating on Boston. Oh, yeah, they hate, man. Well, when you live in New York and you're from Boston, it's just like it's a constant everyday thing. 
of like, oh, you're from Boston, huh? Where's your accent at? You know, oh, you like the I, Red Sox. I thought Gangstar cleared this up. I no, thought it man. healed the wounds. You Hell got no. Guru and Primo, Boston and New York, bringing it together. Hell no. No, it, if anything, because I remember when I was young, uh, we all, even though Guru was from basically my neighborhood, we all thought he was from Brooklyn. Right. Because you never really thought. heard him bigging up Boston like that. Right. I mean, he That's would true. every once in a while. That's but, true. Uh, you know, so like when I found out Guru was from Boston and Premier was from Texas, I was like, the fuck is going on? Is he here? from Texas? From Texas. Neither one of those oh guys my, is from I New York. I can't believe I didn't know that. They're the quintessential New York hip hop. Yeah, they define New York hip hop. Not without from New York. A doubt. Right. Not from New York. Right. What about Ed OG? He was he were New Yorkers shy on him because he was from Boston? I couldn't tell you. I mean, you were in Boston. I right? was in Boston. You know, I mean, we all love. Was him. he big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was huge. One of my favorite records is. Um, <clears throat> we'll get into deep hip hop later. I want to yep. stick with childhood, but one of my favorite records is uh, Ed OG and Pete Rock. Yep, my own worst enemy. Yep, I love that record. Ed OG is the end. Pete Rock is. You know, yeah, come Pete on. Rock's Pete. Yeah. You know? he's a beast. But Ed O is a strong, strong MC, and I felt like that was his adulthood mm-hmm. like record. Yeah. Like the Ed OG and Bulldog stuff, I like, but the one Pete Rock was that was the shit. All right, so what was child? What was life like um, in Boston? You know, I there's put it like this. I have nothing to complain about. You know, I had a, actually had a great childhood. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood called Mattapan, which is like a, if you know anything about Boston, there's like three uh, kind of like major black towns in Boston. There's there's uh, Mattapan, Dorchester, and Roxbury. Those are like basically right. the hood. Edo being from Roxbury. Yeah, yeah. and it, like you know Bobby Brown and them from Roxbury. Okay. Um, Boston's pretty segregated. Is that is that yes. right? Because yep. yeah, I've heard and racism's hard there. I hear. Well, I've never been, so I'm just I'm not saying it's fat. I'm just asking. Boston has a rep for racism, right? I'll be honest with you. I've probably seen more racism that affected me in New York. Okay. And in Boston. Okay. I mean, you know, as a kid, maybe I didn't see it as much. Um, I, I was affected more in the sense that uh, since I was in Boston, I was going to Boston public schools at first. Mm-hmm. But my mother, who was a teacher, was basically like, you know, the Boston public school system isn't that great. I want you to get a good education. So um, I'm going to have you shipped out to the suburbs. Oh. So I was actually commuting every day to go to this from third grade on i was going out to brookline mass which is like a a nice like well-off suburb right and then coming back home to the hood which is like it's a it's a weird dichotomy because it's like you know you come from a neighborhood that's like my neighborhood was like lower middle class okay you know not great but not not terrible at first at least Uh, and then i'm going to suburbs and it's just like hanging out with kids who have so much more money than me. And I didn't realize that I wasn't that well off until I was hanging out with kids who just had like giant, giant houses. And I went back to my house and I was like, wait, I was like, wait, are we, are we not balling like I thought we was? Cause I was like, (laughs) Oh shit. These kids are like, I'm going to birthday parties and like, you know, I'm bringing like, you know, I have like a $10 limit. I'm bringing like a G.I. Joe or something. <laughs> and then these kids getting like the crazy USS flag, you know, air carrier. Right, right. And I'm just like, yo, I'm never, like, what the hell, man? Like, 
And you're like, you, you want to hide your president and shit? Right. Just like, oh, Embarrassed. man. I'm like, oh, here comes the poor black kid, man. You know. With so his it, it, you didn't really, every, everything was, was cool. There was, like, even in, in that school and in at those parties, you didn't feel the, any racism at that point? Mm, Not no. really? No, right, I mean, cool. I was definitely the token black there. Right. But it wasn't. A thing where anyone made me feel uncomfortable. Right. It was actually That's... a very liberal. Uh, you okay. know, it was it was a cool. I mean, even though it was a white school, there was still like a, you know a good amount of like Asian kids, Spanish kids, okay. a couple black so, kids. Right. So I mean, from what I'm gathering, the it's it's the the poor white neighborhoods and the 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 poor ethnic neighborhoods are where the the heat simmers. Yeah. But you get yeah. out of there. It's I more, mean, yeah, certainly. Back in the days, I was not allowed to go to like South Boston, okay. Southie, which is like it's a it's a all Catholic Irish Irish neighborhood. Yeah. You know, um, I remember my mom would tell me stories about how when she would drive through, just driving through, and you know she'd be pregnant with me, and dudes were like screaming shit at her and like really? throwing rocks at the car. It's like you know, like late seventies. So yeah, there was definitely static that happened, but um, I had a it was actually pretty good for me. I didn't have okay. any of those issues. Were you uh, always drawn? Always, always interested in drawing? Always, yeah. I was from the time I can remember. I was always drawing something. All right, you know. Um, so elementary school. What about pops? What did he do? Uh, my pops was a businessman. Um, my mom and my dad were never married. I think I was a, a oh. happy accident. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I guess. I've never gotten the complete story, but I guess they were friends. Things went down, you know, whatever. Um, and my pops was, uh, he was, you know, he was a young dude. He was, uh, I think my mom was 27 and my dad was 25. Wow. So okay. um, I didn't see him much, you know, as a kid. I mean, wow. there would be times when uh, my mom, you know, I'd drive my mom crazy and she'd be like, she'd call him up and be like, you need to take this kid right now for the weekend or I'm going to kill him. And then he'd be forced to like you know pick me up, and then I you know I'd go over to his place, and you know he'd buy me some toys and you know let me sit in the corner while he's doing so whatever. He didn't want a parent; he just wanted to keep you busy. Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, and I certainly had, I had, I think I had a complex about that for a while. Sure. Um, I think I understand it now. Now that uh, I'm older, uh huh. And I think about me when I was 25. If I oh my god if yeah, I became yeah, pregnant scary, too, I was like, I don't know what I would do. You so know? you had some resentment towards your dad back certainly, then. Certainly, certainly, because I mean there was definitely times when like, uh, you know, I'd be ready for him to pick me up at like noon, and he'd show up at like three, or sometimes not even show up at all. You know, and she's like, "Dog, really? Like, come on, man! Like, ah, oh, God, I can't imagine that." It was uh, so I certainly had. You know issues with that, right? Um, and then you know, growing up in was there was there good memories with dad? Did you have good times or? Yeah, there was definitely good times. I mean, he would uh, sometimes he would like take me skiing or whatever. Or there was actually great times when he he kind of introduced me to his side of the family, which is actually here in North Carolina. Oh, really? Um, so you know, he'd take me to to, to Fayetteville, and I'd hang out with uh, my grandparents and my uncles and stuff. But even then, it was like, you know, he he kind of dropped me off with them, right? And then he'd go off and do his business stuff or whatever. So, 
I didn't see my dad that much. Okay. We have a much better relationship now. Okay. Now that I'm older. And I think he realizes that, uh, you know, he, he had, he married when I was 15. Uh-huh. And I have a little half brother and half sister through that marriage. And I think he definitely uh, figured out how important it is having, you know, a dad, you know, because like, you know, I, there's certain things I didn't learn. Like, I didn't right. learn how to tie a tie until I was, like, 13 or 14. Yeah. I didn't learn, you know, uh, how to ride a bike for the longest time. Uh, there's certain things that you just don't get. You can't, I mean, of course your mom can teach you that stuff, but mm-hmm. it's different when there's no dad there. You yeah, know? I, you know, I, I wonder about stuff like that, because I know when dad's not there... That goes on, but like I, I feel like with my son, like I'm very close with him, and I'm I spend a lot of time with the family. But right. I was never into sports, sure. So I feel like am I doing him a disservice? I don't play catch. What I do is what recently I'm trying to skateboard with him. Right. So we have that, but I I don't know. Being a parent, I'm just always afraid I'm fucking up. I don't. You know what? Honestly, I feel like uh, it doesn't even matter as long as. Uh, you're just there, you know, like yeah, all that kid okay. cares about is that you're spending that time eating because we're all busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, you spend that five minutes to be like, hey, what, what are you up to today? You know, mm-hmm. that goes a long way. Like if my dad had just called me and been like, you know, I can't see this weekend, but uh, what are you up to? How are your grades doing? Like that probably would have went a long, a long way. Just I got to, you. you. Know, yeah, the um, the night before I left for the show, like that they know I'm going and, and I guess Kids, they're so damn intuitive and so they have a lot going on in their heads that, yeah. that adults just assume isn't there because they're children. And he, I found out they were upstairs brushing their teeth, and uh, and I hear my daughter saying, "You have to use my toothpaste. Yours is all gone." <laughs> and I go and I'm like, "What is going on in here?" Just use he does he has like minty toothpaste. Right. He calls it spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make a man out of him. Um, so I'm I'm like all right. Well, look, you're out of toothpaste. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get you some toothpaste. And I get deeper in the conversation. I find out he's been out of toothpaste hmm. for what I find out was the past week, then the past two weeks. So this little man has been brushing his teeth with water. You know what? I had a period when I did that as a kid too. I I, I did the same shit because I hated brushing my teeth. What? And, uh, <laughs> it was just the kids just hate shit. I don't. You know when you're kids, man, you're just so particular about dumb shit. You're like, yeah, yeah. I don't he, like the way that the, tastes. Right, right. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing it. Right, but <laughs> so he never he never let anyone know he was out of toothpaste. My daughter, who's kind of like a a leader personality, mm-hmm. was well aware of the situation, but. Did not inform the parental units of the problem. Nah. Uh, so my son didn't. So he's just brushing his teeth with water, and I find out <laughs> it's been two weeks to a month, possibly, that he's not brushed his teeth. So I get angry. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. My wife has a different take on it. I get I get angry, and I'm just like, what is? Why don't you tell me when you need toothpaste? I don't know if you need. And then he's like, well, I asked you when we were in the store. Like we ran in the store, went to the beach. Yeah, ran in the store to just get some sunblock. And he's yeah. like, can I get this toothpaste? And I'm just he thinking, let you know, Dad. Yeah, yeah he's thinking that's <laughs> I need toothpaste. Can we get this? But I'm thinking. 
um, I just want to have this because it's got a cool picture on it yeah. and it tastes cool. And I'm like, no, you have toothpaste, but he doesn't. He didn't tell me that, so I get mad, mm-hmm. and uh, and he can feel my tension. And then my wife comes in and diffuses the situation and tells me to leave. That I'm not helping. <laughs> and your wife's saying, you know, you're getting mad over toothpaste. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You got to choose your battles. And so I go to my room steaming, and I'm like, what the? <laughs> go to your room, right? And so I got sent to my room. So then I, I kind of hear him. He's getting sniffly and crying a little bit at this point. And now I feel mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. And so I go into his room to apologize. He's in bed. All the lights are off. And I hear my wife, do you want to tell him? Talking to my son, I'm like, oh, fuck, what? What'd I do? <laughs> and I think he's just upset about the toothpaste. Mm-hmm. But he's crying because I'm leaving for this con. Uh. And so I get into bed with him, lights are off, and we just kind of snuggle. How old is he, by the way? Seven and a half. Gotcha, okay. So I get into bed, we just snuggle a little bit, and we talk. And he's telling me I'm always going away to conventions. Ugh. And I feel it. And I'm like, now I realize what's going on. Yeah. My last night, I'm an asshole. And then I disappear yep. for a couple of days. Right. And he's smart enough to know, like, this is not a good foot to leave on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's when you said that just being there, just laying in bed with him for five to ten minutes talking yeah. about Teen Titans and different Beast Boy and shit he loves. Yeah. And then he's laughing and it's all good. Yeah. But I, and then I even said to him, because after Heroes, I'm not doing shows through the year. I just got to get my book finished. Right. And I was like, look, I'm not doing any more shows. It's hard. That's the juggle part that's hard for me. My main priority is making sure that my kids never feel like dad was always working. Right. And I don't think they feel that. But then I'm starting to realize travel has an effect. It certainly does. I mean, even on a relationship too, not just kids. I mean, I certainly. Oh, yeah. It's because uh, I'm, you know, same with me. I'm working all the time, and it's cool now that me and my girl we live together. So, but uh, definitely, it's it's carving out that time for the relationship, making hard, them know man. that you know, even though the work is like a priority, you don't. It's not your only priority. And once again, it's it's finding time. Right, you spend your youth hustling so hard, and like comics is like. Making it, yeah, it's everything. It's to you. everything, yeah. And then you get the job, and the job is all consuming. So it's everything. And then a few years go by, and you're like, wait a minute, where life's going by? Well, what do yeah. I, what do I do? I, I need a life too. Yeah, you need life. You need friends. You need, you need to leave the house every once in a while. I yeah, mean, get it. Um, Brooks called it the um, we're cave trolls. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. It's hard, man. People don't understand that. Yeah. And and we were talking about like that's all we do, like. You know, and that's another benefit I have with teaching. I get in front of a crew of people mm-hmm. two two days a week, right? And I, I get it all out and yeah. I get it all in, and and then I go back. But even then, it's it's hard. It's a hard lifestyle. It is. I mean, and, and once again, you know, I always want to temper that with uh, with drawing comic books. It's pretty awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> like, it, it's important to remember. That I find that's a good point. Yeah, because I've had some shitty jobs, you know. Right, it's a great job. Yeah, and you just get—I find that I would just get so worried about the deadline, I'd forget the joy of the job. You forget the fact that you're doing what you love, right? You know, like I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid to do this. 
I would still do this for free. Right. Like I just um, drew Wolverine fighting a giant robot. Yeah. And, yeah. and I spent the day stressed out about, is this going to be done on time? Instead of being like, I'm drawing Wolverine fighting a fucking yeah. robot. I, and it's not it for me. <laughs> it's going to be in a book. Yeah. Like every once in a while you catch yourself, like just like. I'm like giggling to myself, like, oh my God, I can't believe someone's paying me to draw this, you know. There's like hot girl, you know, these giant guns, just just silly shit when I was drawing this in my, you know, a high school notebook or on a desk somewhere. And now I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah. You know, it, like my friends laugh all the time, like, dude, remember all those desks you covered in high school with like your little right. graffiti and right. all your stuff? And like, they're like, yo, you get paid for that now. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of silly, man. Yeah, yeah, it's I agree, ridiculous. I agree. So while while I think artists, we do tend to gather around and kind of bitch a little about how yeah. hard some shit can be, you're right, we have to temper it. It's great. It is great. It's just a, a demanding type of job, but it's not demanding in a mindless yeah this job means nothing to me it's a job and way. it's a it's a it's a lifestyle right because you once again you don't you don't at least with me it the it doesn't turn off i'm working no. six days out of the week right and even when i'm right, not right, working right. it took me up until last year where i wasn't working seven days a week yeah i, I i've made it a point now for my relationship to take Saturday off. You have to. I you have, have to, to pick a day because my day's Sunday. Otherwise, you know, you need to give that time to you know. I find that also having that downtime. I came back Monday fresh. Yeah, from a day off. But also, yeah. if you want to have any type of relationship with anybody, you can't be twenty four seven. You can't. You can't. It'll kill you. Yeah. So, um, I, I just I, to temper it. I think what happens is. Because we care so much about the work we do, right. that we find the job we're more personally invested in it than a different type of job. Yeah, it's like it's like another relationship. Yeah, Toth um, had a quote. Um, I, I don't remember it exactly, but it, it was something like, "Comics are demanding mistress." Yep, and it's there's so That's much exactly truth it. in it yep. because for anyone in any relationship, there's a jealousy factor. At some point in the relationship, mm-hmm. where the the other one is like, all you do is sitting there and draw, and that seems more important to you. And right, because that's my mistress. That's yep. the affair I'm having. Yep, it's true. All right. So, um, at, at what point did you and did you kind of reconcile with pops and, um, and empathize with him a little bit? To be honest, I think it was um, it was probably. After college, after I grew up a little bit, because mm-hmm. I know even even in college we had our ish- issues where, you know, by court order he had to help out. Pay, you know, he did not want me to go to art school. Um, um, yeah, not many parents. Do. Yeah, he, you know, which once again I understand now. <laughs> he wanted me to make money and like have you know, but so I I know that um, there were certainly times when I would call him up. You know, you know when you're in college. You're always broke, yeah. Always. And I would definitely call him up and be like, "Yo, man, what's up, man? Can I can I get a loan?" And he was just like, "Listen, kid, I'm spending so much money on this private art school that you wanted to go to." Uh, Where did you go to college? Uh, school of Visual Arts. Oh, did you went to SVA? I went to SVA. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not cheap. <laughs> not not cheap. I I just finished paying it off uh, last year. That's great. You got yeah. you finished paying it off. Pretty I'm done. Quick then I'm done. I'm still paying. Um, I'm done, and it was a 
fucking relieved because I still got plenty of other bills to, to worry about now. Sure, sure. But uh, nah, you know, definitely at some point, um, I feel like it helped when he saw me just succeed and 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 make it and not, you know, no one no one no one wants to see their kid fail. Right. Um, right. And seeing the fact that. You know, I've been moderately successful in my career. I'm not hurting. You know, I'm doing pretty good with what I do. I, I think it made him relax a bit. And I think it made us a little closer. And I think also him having younger kids oh. and being like the dad to them. So, okay. So he's a different father. With- yeah. Okay. He's, he's a totally different father with them than he was with me. And I feel like that brought him closer because he wanted us to be a bigger family. Okay. Because they live in Minnesota now. Oh, wow. So, like, I think he wanted to, you know, make sure that I had a relationship with my brother and my sister and him. So he's trying to mend the past a little now. Yeah, and and it, it, we're we're much better. Okay. We're much better. Like, um, I know my mom's, you know, she's still like, you know, you ever ask him about why he wasn't here or there? And I'm just like, honestly, it doesn't matter. There's no, no answer to there's that no, question. There's, there's no good answer right. other than I'm a man. And I understand what it's like to be a man. Uh, you have you have priorities for what you want to do with your life, and then you have what life gives you. And and sometimes finding that balance is different. And I know, you know, my own thing is like if I have kids and when I have kids, to make sure that I'm there more for them. Yeah, I've heard, I've talked to a few people, um, like Scotty. Uh, well, I guess Scotty, yeah, Scotty and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, who really want to use the the parental role to make up for stuff that was damaging to them? Yeah, I think that's little. I think that's natural. Yeah, I, think, I, I uh, agree. I, uh, that shows good parental instincts. I think. I, yeah, I mean, you know, you have things that build you, as you know, just like for example, like my neighborhood in Boston. Uh, in the mid '80s, you know, crack hit, and uh, you know, my neighborhood just went to complete shit. Let's talk about that. People, crack came on quick. I remember and decimated. Yeah, shit. it was somewhere around like '85, '86 yeah. or so. I remember it. It it really came to a, you know, to a peak somewhere in like the early '90s for me, where it was just like. I couldn't leave my house, man. Like, so it affected your neighborhood dramatically. Totally. I mean, it, wow. put it like this: I had I had a crew of friends, a uh, bunch of us, like four or five, that we'd hang tight all the time in my neighborhood. By like ninety one, ninety two, all their parents were just like, "We have got to get the hell out of here," and all my friends left. Oh. And so all of a sudden, I'm in. You know, I have still have my friends in the suburbs, but like right. my crew back home, it was just me. And all of a sudden, there's all these new kids coming in who are like, I don't relate to y'all because we didn't grow up together. So now it's just like, I got no friends in this place now. Oh. And, and because it's so, because but I got no friends and I'm not really allowed to go outside because there's crazy shit happening outside. So did violence enter around that? Like, did your neighborhood become violent at totally. that point? Yeah, there was people getting shot every night. Holy every shit. Every night. You'd hear it. You know. Did you have like corner boys like selling it? Yeah, of course. Wow. Of course, yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, I have friends. But um, it wasn't like that in your early childhood. I don't remember it at first. I mean, because we'd hang out all the time. You know, as long as you were home by like, you know, you know, dusk, 
mm-hmm. not a problem. I had no problem, but there was definitely a point when it was just like, you need to stay in the house because shit's just happening constantly. So, which which actually I think affected my art because I had you know as an only child and mm-hmm. I was inside all the time. So it made you draw more and yeah, more and more. I was just creating these worlds in my head. So you, it was like, an escape. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 interesting. It's, it's totally like just my creativity was kind of an escape from my neighborhood where I was just like, I need to block all this off. So it was all like comic books and video games and art, just like. So that kind of saved you, I, I guess. I think so. In a way, I think so because people I know who, who, and thankfully my mom would, she was cool enough to like give me that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like I wasn't wanting for stuff. I was definitely spoiled. I think because. Of my situation, right? Um, and you know, I have friends of mine now that um, that didn't have the same kind of parental care, and they were out in the streets, and now they're they're all, you know, been shot, you know, some dead, some in jail, wow. uh, you know, selling stuff themselves, like just you know, like my neighborhood, just like my neighbor back in Boston, they got raided by a SWAT team, <laughs> like. Like just a few oh months ago, God. and they found you know they found guns, they found crack, and all this were, crazy. Were shit. you ever? I guess so. I guess the answer is no. You were never tempted into that lifestyle. No, never. That's never. good. No, because I so saw. So it was never glamorous to you. And never. It, okay. No, I, I I saw what you know. My mom would tell me like that friend you was right there. Watch what happens to him. Um, so what? Why did what your mom did work with you? Versus, like, say, the guys you knew that got mixed up with it? Because, um, I mean, my mom, you know, she, I have, a, I have a very strong family where it's just like education was always a priority. Okay. Like, so- she, she, you know, she was one of the, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, my mom and all her, you know, cousins and stuff, they were the first ones to go to college. Um, my mom went to Tufts, she went to Brandeis. You know, she got a good education and she, She's a teacher herself, so she always understood, you know, how important education was. Right. Like, I remember going to kindergarten, and I could read already. And I was also younger. And I was, you know, okay. everyone else in kindergarten is like, what, like four, five? I don't even know. Uh, kindergarten, yeah, 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 yeah. I was five. I was three. Oh, okay. Um, because I was, already, I was already reading and everything before everybody else. So I was and actually, your mom being a teacher. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was it. always the youngest person in my class because I started school, like, a couple or a year early. All right. Um, so I always had education in that background. And, you know, she she saw that I liked art early on, so she would always kind of push that. Nurtured that. Yeah. She put me in art classes and, you know, give me, um, you know, art supplies. I had a drawing table when I was, like, 12 or something like that. Um, you know, okay. so she always nurtured that. What, um, do you remember what age you were when you got, when you discovered comic books? Um, it's weird because, uh, I remember comic books as a kid, um, but I wasn't necessarily into them. Right. Like I remember my mom, mom would give them to me cause she, I think she thought that they were a good tool for reading and stuff. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, she'd go to like the corner store and pick me up a couple things, but I wasn't into that stuff for, for a while. Um, it really wasn't until, until like uh, Ninja Turtles came out. That was like the thing that was like. I loved that property so much, and I found out that they were comic books so first. The, the cartoon or the movies got you? I think the it. cartoons. Okay. Yeah. And that brought me back to the comic book stuff, and I was super into that shit. Okay. And that was what got me into comics originally. 
Um, but I still wasn't, even then, I wasn't like into like Marvel and DC and stuff like that. I didn't. You were more into what was the indie scene at the time? I, I guess you, I wouldn't think of it back then as indie. It was right, just like, right, right. I just liked Ninja Turtles. Right, you know? like, right, of course. It's not indie to me. It's just like, mm, it's fucking Ninja Turtles. You know? Right, right. Um, actually, what, what got me in full time in the comics, what really drove it home was I remember the exact moment I was reading this video game magazine called uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly, EGM. And I remember they did a profile in the back on Image Comics. Okay. And it was just like, you know, this new comic book company. That, so it was the Jim Lee McFarlane. It was, I remember it was like covers to like Wildcats and like uh, like Youngblood and like Cyberforce. And, and just whatever was going on in those images I thought was so crazy yeah. and so different from what I'd seen from comics before that I was just like, Holy shit. Yeah, those guys did something for all of us. Yeah. That what they put down just grabbed us. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's funny because, like, you know, I feel like those guys, they get a bad rep sometimes now for sure. for being about, you know, image over sometimes substance or story. Right. But, you know, as a 13-year-old kid, uh, when in comics was probably at its, its peak... I was just like, man, that stuff blew me away. Yeah, like, yeah, it blew me away too. I, I'm, I'm of two, two schools of thought on this. They had a huge impact on our generation of creators, and yeah. I think a lot of us are here because of what they did. Yes, and their their work inspired us to do it. But on the same token, like they they collapsed yes. the industry. Yep, because of the lack of of content. Yeah. To put it simply, yeah. it was a bunch of cool images. And there's that that is only gonna people are Well, oh, uh, certainly there was that. I think there was a number of other things. Right. Too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just that. There was there was the speculative and, collector <clears throat> collector's market. Yeah. Um, and they just capitalized on that. It's nobody's fault. Yeah. But I, I do feel like th- that it created a little bit of a vacuum when they were just pumping out comic books of splash pages. Yes. That the readership eventually just got tired of it because there was nothing to engage in anymore yes. other than an image, which now had become repetitive. Yeah, absolutely. And then it dried up a little bit. Right now, mm-hmm. I think we're in our creative renaissance. In I, this think, I think right now is actually the perfect time. Yeah, because. There was definitely a backlash from that when I feel like <clears throat> it was all about writers. Yes. And for a while, everything was writer-driven. And I feel like it's kind of turning around again where it's like, you know, meet me halfway in the middle. Because, like, if you have a bunch of books where it's nothing but talking heads, Yeah, it's boring. Right, right. It's and there also, I think you probably <clears throat> felt this. I, I call it the dark days for the cartoonists. Right. Where if you were cartoony, you were kind of cursed. Yeah. I it mean, was, I, I feel that to this day. Sometimes. You still feel that? Absolutely. I feel yeah. like cartooning is back. There, there were those days where everything was make it photorealistic. And these yeah. photo tracer dudes came in and it was just, it was boring. It was traced. It was uninspired. Yeah. And then guys like you, I remember being told by a Batman editor, I love your work. I can't give you anything. If you will trace some photos, I got a job for you. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I've never gotten that, but I've certainly gotten the whole, you know, your art's really good. We like your stuff, but it's just, you know, you don't fit in with what we do. Right. 
That, um, that's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Because when you hear that, I don't know, <clears throat> did you feel, I always felt like when I heard that, it was like a blow off. Like, you're just not really ready. Because if you were really, I, I thought, like, well, if I was really good, they'd give me a job. Right. But what I've come to learn is because um, at Marvel, I heard that for a good five to ten years. I yeah. really like your stuff, but I don't have anywhere where you fit. Yeah. And I was like, you know, there's just a nice no. Yeah. I mean, it, it always has surprised me because, I mean, I grew up on comic book artists. So mm-hmm. my my art is directly influenced by, like, you know, like Jim Lee, Rob sure. Liefeld, Tom right. McFarlane. And so, like, I'm taking notes from these guys, and then I come in, and it's like, well, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, right. I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, if you look at my art, you look at Jim Lee's art. There's not necessarily a big correlation now, but when I was like 17, 18. Yeah, we all were. We all were. I was totally cross action. Sure. Like, I, I, I cross action everything. Be, right, me too. And you I know, was trying to do Todd McFarlane. I was drawing pockets everywhere and giant guns. <laughs> like, I was full on Rob Liefeld's son. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if that dude could have adopted me, I was in. I was all about. My, my dream as a high school kid was like, you know. I'm going to work for Extreme Comics. I'm going to be drawn young blood, this and that. I was full on in. Uh, and it wasn't until college when I was just like, oh, wait, there's another world of art besides that stuff. Right, you know, like, right. And that, that it got hard for me then because I, I was influenced by a cartoonier look. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I went and studied comics... And I and I got into some older school guys mm-hmm. like Jack Davis and right. Wally Wood. I'm yep. like, wait a minute, they're cartoony too. Yeah. I, I'm I am looking at Will Eisner like yeah. the fathers of this, and you're telling me now that this is not a look that you that you will use. Yeah, like I, it made you, no sense to me. Do you think right now, like, uh, would Jack Kirby work at Marvel Comics? Do you think? I, Would they hire him? I, I think you and I are thinking a little differently right now. I th- I feel like at Marvel, it's very embracing. Of, you think they're embracing right now? Yeah, because right. Uh, well, here's why. I, I look at at the guy like a lot of guys that are that are succeeding at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, Ramon Perez, yes. Nick Bradshaw. Uh, I'm busy at Marvel. Um, Somni's busy at. I mean, Somni's. Real busy at Marvel. Yeah, he is. Um, He's a beast, by the way. Right. I love and, that too. And, uh, you know, Opeña, while he's become very rendering more realistic, there's still the cartooniness in the work, I mm-hmm. feel like. And and I just looked down the the, the list of, of, like, what Marvel's doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, like when Dragato was over there. Like, those are all the guys that I was kind of coming up with who we were right. all struggling to get work, and now we're all busy right. at, at Marvel. So I do feel like there's... There's an embracing of it. I don't feel like Marvel's got a house style now. That's true. Where I do feel like five, 10 years ago, <clears throat> there was a house style and it was not me. Right. So I do feel like the cartoon look is more embraced at Marvel. You have a point. It's, it's interesting. I, I guess where I come from is the fact that, because I remember my first professional work in comics was for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, so And my, my stuff right back then was super cartoony. Right. It's like super. Like, when you know, was this? This was uh, 2003 okay. um, when I, cause, uh, I always give Scotty his props. So Scotty actually got me in the door at Marvel. 
Because uh, we all have somebody. Yeah, it's good. Scotty was the guy. Because creators I did, out there, you got to look out for each other. Seriously, seriously. Because I did all the convention stuff you're supposed to do. Right. Where you go to portfolio reviews and do all that shit, and none of it worked for me. <clears throat> and and Scotty actually got me in the door at Marvel doing. Uh, very cartoony stuff. That's another one. Scotty's blown up at Marvel. Yeah. Um, but also, Scotty's interesting because uh, they Scotty has blown up, but he definitely does different stuff at Marvel. He's not doing right. the superhero stuff right. anymore. Right. Anyways, he was, but they always kind of put him in like his certain lane his over here. Right. Like I don't know if they would have let Scotty draw x-men i don't know maybe they would i think now they would you think they would i i i think now they would yeah and i just because i always find it funny because like um i was saying to someone last night in the last year um i've done storyboards for the spider-man cartoon uh-huh um and i did a bunch of cinematic stuff for um the Marvel Heroes video game that just came out. Okay. So, like, I've done tons of Marvel stuff, uh-huh. but I actually haven't worked for Marvel okay. proper since, like, I don't know, like 2006. So, do, like you, that. do you feel like you're saying that you don't think Marvel's as embracing of a cartoony look? Is that just kind of. And I don't from- think it's just Marvel. I think I would put DC in that too. Yeah, I agree with the DC thing. Mm-hmm. I think DC is doing their best to replicate the 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 downfall era of comics. I mean, um I mean, look, and and you know what, DC gives me work too. Right. Um but I've also noticed that um like right now I'm doing covers for for Justice League Beyond, okay. which is like their kind of digital stuff. So like I think they're comfortable with me, you know, working in this lane. Like, they definitely, I've noticed they hired the more cartoony guys for the digital stuff. Okay. Um, right, like Sanford's doing some Yeah, that. Sanford's right. doing some stuff. Sanford Green. Um, but I noticed with their print stuff, it's a little more... Um, Image era looking. Kind of, yeah. 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 Which, I mean, you know, if that sells for you, I mean... Yeah, You know, yeah. I, can't, I can't knock your hustle because it's not like I'm, I'm not hurting for work. Right. And I, I, with what I do, I've definitely found my lane. Okay. So... I think it's more of a, man, I want to be in that club too. You know, it's, it's sure. not like, because the stuff that I'm doing, I'm actually very happy with. Right. But you, you know, you always feel a certain way when it's like, uh, well, why ain't y'all calling me? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, what sure. am I doing of course. wrong? That, that's the where, insecurity creeping in. You know, in. It's, it's total insecurity on my part. Yeah, it's like, total. you could, they, like, they can, they can put me on, on, uh, like, I guess I can say it because by the time this comes out, my book will be out. The, the Phantom X Max Mini, which I'm really excited about. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Um, and not that I've thought this. I'm really excited about this book, and I think this character has like, <clears> got <throat> so much heat behind him. This book yeah. is going to do well. Yeah. But then it's like, or like when I'm on Deadpool. Like, I'm on Deadpool for a long time. I'm like, well, I get, I get this mutant. You're not letting me play with that yeah. mutant. Yeah. Like, am I not, am I not good enough? I, I just yeah. got to stay with this mutant. So yeah, it's just that stupid insecurity. It, it, it's it's total insecurity. And on, why, on our why, parts. why can't I draw Spider Man? Yeah, like I just you know what, I just want to draw everything. I think that's really what right. it is. Because even yeah. I have so much work right now that even if it's not they even that you want to draw, you just want to be offered. Yeah, I just want the offer. Oh, oh, okay, you like me. You okay, guys that's like all me I now. Needed? All right, I just want you guys to say, hey, good job, man. Good job. You're doing right. all right. You know, that's I all like I care your work. about. Yeah. I like your work. Yeah, man. That goes a long way. <laughs> That uh, what I, I called it. I've been calling it the uh, different holes: the insecurity hole, 
the uh, just the, that hole we're all trying to fill that you can't fill. Yeah, and I, I'm sure even if I got that stuff, there'd be something right. else right. where I'm like, well. Uh, Carrie, yeah. here's Spider-Man. All right, cool. After a few issues, well, why didn't I get X-Men? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what sucks. It's like, motherfucker, I drew Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> right. I already did it, so I don't know why I still want to do it. But, of course, you know, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, yeah, I love those characters. Sure, so, we all grew up on that. That's, that's, that's the kid dream. Yeah. Um, what, okay, so the, I'm getting back to the theme. What... um. Was there a blow up when you and your dad kind of reconciled? Was there a big blow up fight or a big coming together? Was there a moment or was it just a slow, gradual coming together? I think it was a slow, gradual thing. Um, I'm not the kind of person that just blow up. Okay. I don't have that kind of personality. I'm more if I'm mad about stuff, I just stay quiet. I'm not. I'm a very reserved type dude where okay. I don't scream on people. I don't while out. I just. But I'm just wondering if all if all the years of kind of that resentment and anger had built up, and and how did how did you exercise that demon? I honestly think I just let it go. I think at some point that's impressive. I had to just you know being an adult and 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 just saying you know what, yeah, there was mistakes made, but this guy's making a genuine effort now. You gotta just let it go, right. you know. You just gotta be like, you know what, the past is the past, How, and yeah, you know, because you know, you once you get older too, you start thinking like, yo, your your parents aren't gonna be around forever, right, right, and and it's like, do you want to just hold on to anger, and then one day they're just like gone? Like I remember, it was in, you know, like my last girlfriend, um, her mother had this really long battle with uh, with breast cancer. And she eventually died. And it's like, I saw that all play out. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? And you're just like, holy cow, your mom is just gone. You saw your mom just waste away to nothing. And That's she, your ex-girlfriend's mom? Yeah, that's my ex. Okay. And um, I was just like, man, you know, you, you start thinking about your own parents. And it's like, they're not going to be around for forever. I mean, it's a, it's a scary thing, but it's a sobering thing that at some point you have to realize. And it's like... I want my relationship to be good with them. Right. And, you know, if I have kids, you know, I want them to be good grandparents and good with me. So I would much rather have that openness and and relationship than have bitterness. Right. Because being bitter just, it just, what's the point? It's amazing how you, it's true that you can just let it go. And it's so hard for so long to realize, like, wait a minute. I'm in control. Yeah, not those emotions. Yeah, I mean, because you, if you let that stuff eat you up, you you become a bitter person yeah. in general. And yeah. I would much rather be a happy person. I have plenty of things to be happy about. You know, I have a great career. Mm-hmm. I got a good girlfriend. I love my family. You know, like everything is pretty freaking good with my life. Even though I might bitch about stuff. Yeah, well, like, we all complain. You know, in general, I got my health, you know, mm-hmm. in general, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Other than, you know, it comes with aches those and aches pains. and pains. But in general, I'm I'm pretty healthy, man. It's like, you know, what more do you need, you know? Yeah. I got, so. I got excited the other day. <clears throat> my wife, who's having her reconstructive knee surgery, mm-hmm. came home with prescription uh anti-inflammatories okay and these are not mood altering drugs in any way (laughs) and i got real excited like oh man when i I throw my back out i got some medicine i'm popping these (laughs) right (laughs) so um 
have you <clears throat> w- was there ever a conversation where you kind of now that you're past that stuff with your dad be like I was I was angry for a long time I'm trying to remember I feel like that's certainly a conversation I probably should have had I don't know if we actually ever did and you don't feel the need to have it anymore not really mm-hmm. not really that's that's awesome no all right I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the floor over to you you've, right. you've got some uh you need to voice some stuff regarding Scotty's interview. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what it was? It was actually, I think most of the stuff you guys said was pretty much on point. I just remember, it was more like a, man, I wish I was in that room right now because I, I love to talk about hip hop. Like, well, what was it we were talking about? <clears throat> I remember you guys were talking about Nas um, and basically saying, what was it, you know, basically saying how he's kind of falling off, or mm-hmm. which is honestly, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my thing is when when you have an album like Illmatic that's so fucking good. Yeah. Which is like, in my mind, not one of, not just one of the best hip hop albums. It's defining. I think it's like, it defined the genre. I think it's one of the best albums. I agree with one you. One piece of, of I, music I like, ever made. I agree with you, 100%. So like... I'm always going to give Nas a little bit of leeway just because right. when you make something that great, and he was like, what, 19 yeah, or something? He was very young. He was young as hell. Like, yeah. Think about when you were 19. Like, What were you doing? Like, I wasn't doing shit. No, he painted pictures that, with <clears throat> words that had never, ever been done and has never, yeah, ever been done. Yeah, just the clarity of mind that... I think with, it's, it's, what was hard for me was to watch that, Yes. then what followed. Yes. And... I like it was written. Yeah, me too. I like that album. I think it's a great album. Yeah. If that was any other artist's first album, people would say, that's a classic, I think. Yeah, I, I like it was written. It's but just because it was every not. every album after that, there's peaks and valleys and highs and lows. Yes. But it's, Illmatic <clears throat> is a different artist. It's yeah. a different artist. And yeah. I feel like you're more forgiving of Nas because of Illmatic Yes. I'm more critical of Nas because of Illmatic. Yeah, and I, I re, like Stillmatic came out and I loved it. Stillmatic was great. Yeah, and and he's had these albums here. Godson and there. was pretty good too. I Godson think. I enjoyed quite yeah. a bit. The, yeah. the 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 um the Lost Tapes I like a lot. Yeah, um, but then there was just these Nostradamus. Um, <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> um, not Nostradamus. The the album with Nas is like I am. Is that the album? I am. That was one before Stillmatic. Right. Yeah. There, I think Nas is like the Primo produced That's, track yes. is one of his best songs. That's one. Clearly. Yeah. And and that came way after Illmatic. So there are highs. He still has moments. I feel like whenever yeah, he if does you hear like moments. Nas and Primo, you know it's going to be like right. gold. I, he still, they, every, I feel like every album he does, there's always at least one or two songs. And I'm like, you're right. That's the Nas. You're right. You you're know? right. You're right. Um, they shoot and made you look. Yeah, there's always Classic. something. Yeah, there's always something. Yeah. Um, so, so Scotty and I were talking about it, and we were saying he, <clears throat> he fell off. Yeah. So I'm saying now there's highs and lows. Yes. But the like, I I, I know he released an album, and I got it recently. Yeah, it wasn't that great. <laughs> and I, I can't even tell you the name of the album or a track on it. It like, was his grown man album when he was like, "This is my adult." 
right. contemporary what was album. It called? Oh crap! Um, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so embarrassing. I can't remember. It was the one where he's like, "I'm an adult," and but he had that song that for song, his daughter. Daughters, which oh, is a great my song. God, I, I when I first heard it, I, I was in my car crying. Yeah. Because I had a daughter. And I was yeah, like, this, it's this it's still he still amazing. got those moments. Yeah, it's just like as far as like, albums. I feel like he just makes bad choices, and he needs a producer to make these choices for him. Yeah, because you don't need to do a dance track with Puff Daddy. No, that's not you. That's not your brand. Yeah, get off it. I mean, it just seems to me it's like your formula for your first album was Primo, Pete Rock, Large Professor. And What's tip. the problem? Yeah, and tip. It's like you got all these guys. You could just go right back to these same guys, and I'm sure every one of them would be like, "Let's do it." Yeah, where's Large Professor? Pull. Maybe he has pulling Nas aside and be like, "Look, I did your first album." We Actually, you right. know what? You know, Large Professor did do a track on the last album, the first one, the right. first one we was talking about. Right. I think it's like Locomotive right. or something. No, no, right, right. Which but, was fuck. It was a great song. Right, but Illmatic. As much as it was Nas's vision, it was Large Pro's vision. It had to be, yeah. It, you know, Large Pro put the project together. Right. And that he's the producer. Yeah. And that's what Nas, I think, his, I don't know if it's his ego or money, it's just he's now making the shots, yeah. calling the shots, and it, it doesn't work. You don't, like, a good writer needs a great editor. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. Every artist needs a good editor to step in and be like... Right, to bring out the best. Son. You know what? Because not everything you do is great. You know, right. I feel like I feel the same way about Kanye sometimes. When it's like this dude's a genius, but sometimes you don't need that song to go like eleven minutes long, man. Right. Cut that shit off. Right. You, you need someone to tell that, you you're yeah, not. You need. You're producer. not God, man. Cut it. That's a problem in hip hop. Yeah. Too many egos not having the producer guide them. Yeah. There are some people that can pull it off. Uh, Guru and Primo were able to always keep their, their what they did yeah. right. Yeah. You need that. I mean, I think that's why, you know, you remember in hip-hop, there used to be duos all the time. Yep. Like, you know, there'd be either two rappers or like a rapper and a DJ. Two MCs and one DJ. And that was great because you could tell those guys would bounce off of each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they might do like the whole record, one producer or something. And that was cohesive from, you know, from start to finish. And those were like great albums. Nowadays, everyone gets like 12 different producers that bring different sounds and they get guest right, features. Right. There's no cohesion. There's no yeah. single vision. And it sucks. And you it's just have like, an album. Well, here's my radio track. Yeah. And here's my underground track. And it's like, well, here's who my song are you? for the ladies. It's like if we, right, if we as artists did that, here's my anime panel, yeah. here's my photo trace panel. Yeah, it'd be it, it would make no shit. sense. You're, you have no brand, you have no identity. Yeah. And yeah. so that's like, and so was hip hop always in, the, in your life? Uh, I would say so, yeah. I mean, I mean, when I was young, you know, I was into, you know, like, like Michael Jackson and shit like sure. that. Um, but I remember, it's funny because, like, the stuff I listen to now is kind of the more aggressive, like, underground stuff. But when I was back then, my favorite rapper in the world was a uh, was, uh, Fresh Prince, man. <laughs> like, he's, like he what was the era dude. Fresh Prince are you talking about? He's a DJ, I'm the rapper. Right. You know, like, parents right. just don't understand. No, no, that's, I, it was the same for all of us. <clears throat> that, that was, was like, fresh new hip-hop when it came out. Yeah. And, and, it, and actually, even when you listen to that album now, it's actually really good. Yeah, still. you gotta. You, I, I don't feel like Jazzy Jeff gets the props because he don't. was really one of the strongest. Yeah, because you listen to his stuff now, 
Fresh Prince, like, it was all, like, crazy storytelling right, rhymes. Right. And, like, they were, like, you could, as a kid, I could see those images mm-hmm. in my head. I'm like, who's doing storytelling oh, like no, that now? Th- yeah, no, there's no doubt that, that when they came out, they changed the game, and we all loved it. Yeah. But that was hip-hop at the time. That, hip-hop at that time was innocent. Yeah. It was about having fun and celebrating life. Well, it, it was innocent, but at the same time, like, there was always, like... You had options, you know. You could you could go from him to like Big Daddy Kane, right? You know, right? To yeah. you know, like right. To have you know, like Kid and Play. There was so many options right. for like different types of music, sure. and they all fit to NWA, right? And but, they but could but all early, be in the same venue, and right. it all worked, right? Early on, the hip hop was party music. Yes, it was a celebration. Yes. At first, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like some artists are kind of coming back to that but i like the growth and development of hip-hop as you're saying yeah big daddy kane nwa krs1 coming in with <clears throat> education yeah i'll say this i think hip-hop uh right now is actually in it as as bad as the radio is i feel like the internet and the fact that nobody's selling anymore has made it better yeah there's I a agree. lot of artists i listen to now like someone like kendrick lamar mm-hmm I don't know if he would have existed a couple years ago. Like right. he's he's almost like a, a bounce back to how crazy things got, you know, in the in the early two thousands when right. it was just like that was the renaissance. It was just so shitty. The, 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 that was a dark, dark, dark era for hip hop when yeah. it was just awful. Yeah, I mean, I I was blown away when you see people like Lil John and and Master P and and all these people Ugh. defining what was going on in hip hop. Yeah. It was just there was nothing to it. Anybody with with the right. Yeah. Well, that's when I discovered the underground. Yeah, and I felt like here they're doing it. Like yeah. when rock is first started. Yep. And most Def was defining, and and Black Star was coming out. And that was actually great because that was around the time that I moved to New York. So, um, you know, they would, you know, so we would just... The backpack years. Backpack years. You know, that was the raucous era. So we'd go to like, there was one shop called Fat Beats. Yeah, I know Fat Beats. And, you know, you just hang out and you would see like rappers. Like one day I was just hanging out there on the corner and like Naughty by Nature just walks by. Oh, shit. Or, you know, like we'd see, you know, I I ran into Guru at a bar. Oh, my God. (laughs) Being in New York in the mid 90s. You would just see rappers right. all the time. I remember that, and this is before rap was really a mainstream commodity. I mean, it, it, it no, it was there. It was certainly like because I went when I moved to New York, it was '96, so like this is around the time, right? Like, but it's different. Biggie and Tupac were like, like Wiz Khalifa was a multi-millionaire. Yes. Guru was not. Yeah, no, no. So, and like no. Illmatic, we talk about <clears throat> being one of the greatest records ever. Yeah, it did not at the, when it came out. It did not make Nas a multimillionaire. But you could tell he was trying, though. Right, right, He he was wearing his little, you know, his mafia suits. Right, And, you know, he was going for it. He was going for the image. But that record was still, like, hip-hop's over in the corner. Right. It's not in the mainstream. Right. I mean, there were those crossover acts. I mean, EPMD was talking about crossover. Mm -hmm. But something like Elmatic was not a crossover album. It was not a mainstream success. Over time, I I think it has proven to be. That Lauryn Hill record was pretty poppy. I mean, that was was pretty big. Yeah, but you're talking about the 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 If I Ruled the World. Right, but that's after Elmatic. That's, yeah, yeah, it, it that was, was the second album. Yeah, right, yeah. You're right, you're and right, you're right. It was written, yes. had the crossover success. Yes, 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 you're right, you're right. All right, so uh, hip-hop was always there. Always there, um, yeah. Graffiti, you mentioned graffiti earlier. 
Yeah, it's um, I haven't put it like this. I was never like I didn't I didn't do I didn't tag. Mm-hmm. I was not a I wasn't a graffiti head like that. But I certainly was like the guy. A lot of graffiti dudes would come to me and be like, "Yo, can you draw us like a sexy girl or something?" And then we'll take that and throw it on a wall or something. Okay. So like I would in that in that sense like I wasn't doing the, the bombing you weren't myself. Using the cans? Okay. No, I never. I was terrible with that shit. I never had control over cans. Oh, I was awful with it. I had foam cans. But I was always the kid who was like, all the taggers would certainly be like, "Yo, we need you to draw something dope for us," and then we'll you know. But I think graffiti influenced our styles. Like, yeah, I look at you. I look at Scotty, me. Um, and other people, and you can see like, oh, you were into graffiti. Yes, and and it's it's usually there's a cartoonier look to the work. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're dealing with elements of exaggeration. Yeah, there there's an energy. I, it just it's like an energy. It's nothing I can put my finger on exactly. Yeah, but you see it, and and I that's a big part of what we do now. I think that's the hip hop thing too. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a certain energy that hip hop has, and I I think it definitely translates. To my work, um, maybe I, people ask me all the time if I'm a graffiti guy, and I'm like, I honestly never did it read like that. But there's there's a certain influence that hip hop and graffiti and that just that culture have had on my work in general that I think it's undeniable. Right, but it, like I find it fascinating. It's a it's an instinct. It's it's a gut reaction. It's nothing you can say. Oh well, it's this. It's nothing yes. tangible. Yeah, but, but you know there. it when you see it. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, so I usually, as, as we get towards the back end, ask the question: hip hop, punk rock, or metal? Yep. Hip hop, obviously. I think, I think we know the answer to that. Right? Question. Were you into either of the other two genres of music <clears throat> um, at any points? To be honest with you, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think um, going to art school opened me up a lot more because mm-hmm. when I was young, it was hip hop and that was it. Right. But I think uh, coming to art school, I was open to more things. And you know, when you're sitting around in your art room, you know, in your little dorm room, smoking weed, and someone puts on some, you know, uh, you know, whatever. I'm trying to think. Like, actually, you know what? Like Pink Floyd, you know, like mm-hmm. that's art school shit right, <laughs> right. there. And, <laughs> that's art school shit. Like, and I got into stuff like that for sure. Sure, you sure, know? sure. Um, you but, just got into music beyond. What, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a favorite hip hop act? Um, honestly, I've thought about that. I don't think I do. That's hard. Um, that's I think hard. I have. A, I have different periods of life. Yeah, favorite. I have a. Um, I have a certain time span of hip hop. What's that? Which is basically high school, ninety two to ninety six. That was the that was the Renaissance. When man. like it I was call just it like the Renaissance. Everything, every all my favorite albums all came out in that time. Okay, span. so what are your favorite albums? Uh, you know, Illmatic, uh-huh. Ready to Die, right. um, The Chronic, <laughs> Doggy Style, right? Uh, Outcasts, first and second albums. Uh huh. Uh, Tribe Called Quest, like the everything that I love. That was the era, man. It, it was, was so diverse. So much good shit. So De La good. Soul. Yeah. Oh, you know, man. like the whole boot camp click. Oh yeah, like, dude. That's when Duck Down was on fire. Everything, man. Like Tupac. Like everything that I still listen to now came from that era. Do you have a favorite album from the boot camp of that era? Um, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna it, say the, the Shining. Okay, that's a what good were you gonna one. say? That was yeah, it's hard. 
I tend to, I always think Helter Skelter's Nocturnal was that the height. That was fucking amazing that is like, and slept on so hard. That is like the height of that era. I think, I think with I that, love with that Shining. I yeah. love Enter the Stage. Helter Skelter, that was one summer. That was, oh my that whole God. summer, me and my friends listened to that joint nonstop. That album. Here's a crazy story. I got it. I listened to it once. Mm-hmm. I gave it to a friend. I was like, I can't do it. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> um, a week later, I heard it at my friend's. I was like, what the fuck? I must have been in a bad mood. Man. I went out, I got it again, and I never stopped listening to it. That's a great album. I think with that with that crew, because they all had the same production, mm-hmm. all those albums kind of meld into one big album for me. Right. So like, Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, Smith & Wesson, Black Moon, Helter Skelter, it all kind of feels... Similar. It is. It is. It is. Um, That's why I feel like The Shining was was the best because it was like they had had two albums to work out the kinks and yeah. now not that they were kinked but they had polished their product by that point right and and then after that it just kind of fell apart well, it for fell a off while. when they started getting other production basically right and they were like but then they bought it back <clears throat> um, Black Moon Full Eclipse. You know, That's I'd, a slept on album. See, I never listened to that album. See, this, I was out this by that is point. an album. I was, I was too. But this is an album that I've given to a few people who are huge um, Black Moon, Boot Camp Click, mm-hmm. Duck Down fans from that era. Mm-hmm. And I've given this album, Full Eclipse, I think it's called, to people who just gave up because we all gave up. Yep. And they're like, That's Black Moon. That's old Black Crap, Moon. No, I gotta go back and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, you do. Because right. you're going to be like, oh, this is what I loved about it. It's All back. Right. All right. Um, I have a few other things. I have um, Rockness from Helter Skelter. Yep. Did a mixtape called Rockin' Out West. Okay. Where he took all the great West Coast beats uh, of the popular tracks. Right, right. And rapped over it. I think, I, th- I might be wrong. I think he just got out of prison and then did this. Okay. Okay. Was he in prison? Am I right about that? You know what? Thinking about him, probably. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thinking anyways, about that artist. Yeah. This album's a beast. Yeah. Oh, well, that dude in general, uh, this is Sean Price, right? No, was, this is the other one. Oh, Rockman. Okay, okay. Yeah, Sean was rough. You're right, because he, he did get out of prison. Okay. I remember that. Yeah, he was now, in prison. Now, Sean a Price went on to do some he is, fucking he's great. He's still he's phenomenal. A, he's a monster. He's a beast. He's an absolute. He's way beyond what he did on Helter Skelter. Yeah. Um. His first album when when Duck Down came back and they had those comic book covers on yep. their CDs. Yep. And Ninth Wonder and Buckshot did an album. Yep. And Smith and Wesson that album was strong. Yep. And um, Sean Price <clears throat> did a solo album. I remember. I think, was that Monkey Bars, maybe? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was strong as yeah. hell. Yeah. Because I remember back in the days, everyone was all about um, rock. Mm-hmm. And no one really gave a shit about when they were part of right. Helter Skelter. Because, right. You rock, didn't realize. He had that voice. Yeah, it was that that deep, yeah. grizzled voice. Right. But Price was the MC. Yeah, and when you listen to his, that stuff now, he was still on point back then. Yeah, I think he was just... He became a monster. He became a monster now. Yeah. He also lived and breathed hip-hop. A lot of guys, um, you know, they they what, they had their highs in that era, and then they when that, when that era kind of fizzled and, like, Master P and No Limit came in and dominated the industry and mm-hmm. the shit that we were liking was drying up yeah some guys just locked up and and went into the basement and kept going yep. and price was one of those guys yep 
other guys just kind of stopped. Yeah, I mean, you could tell he's he's one of those guys. He's probably so comfortable just on his block to yeah. this day, and just like he's just a real dude. I, I love that dude, man. I um, I was lucky. I found mm-hmm. out Tech of Smith and Wesson was a Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he started following me on. Tw- I don't remember the the origin of this. He started following me on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I tweeted at him and then we got in touch with each other and then I took him to Marvel. Really? Yeah. I, I, really? Well, because Axel's a huge Smith & Wesson fan. The mm-hmm. Shining's like probably his album. Okay. And uh, I, I, I called him up. I was like, look, Tech wants to come see Marvel. He's like, hook it up. <laughs> so we hooked it up. He came in uh-huh. um, and we, we spent a little bit of time there. Mm-hmm. Took him out. He was like a kid in a candy store. Dude, that, I would, it man, was awesome. That's awesome. But the dude still lives in his neighborhood, like, that, his old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's doing it. He's doing, you know. God bless him. Man. It's, uh, it's I, I've talked about a little bit this idea of staying in the middle. That's right. the place you want to be. Yeah. Tony Moore said to me, um, I think. I just want to be a fringe artist because that's where mm-hmm. the longevity is. Right. You know, there's too many people coming into the game. I think that's wise. That is very wise. Yeah. Uh, there's too many people coming in the game wanting to be the hot shot, mm-hmm. but those guys come in and fizz and disappear. Mm-hmm. It's the guys on the fringe that stay in the middle, that stay consistent, right. that find their audience. They're the Louis C.K.'s of comics. I mean, Louis just found his audience right. and just and did his thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't try to do what wasn't worried about. You know, like there's sales predictions, like you have to sell this many issues to be a success and all that. That's playing the mainstream game. It's right. just like Hollywood movies. Right. But like if you're Woody Allen and you can just find your audience, you don't need to play those games. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very wise. And I think that's something that I've kind of come to ex- uh, accept. That's I what, think I fought it for a long time. Sure, because I think I we wanted all did. We be, all wanted the superstar. Yeah, but I, I've, I've definitely become more comfortable with what I do, um, the kind of art I do. Yeah. And like, I know what kind of jobs I'm going to get now. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Cause the jobs I get are actually pretty right. fun for I'll what tell I like you to what, do. I, like, I, I can honestly say I don't want an event book at Marvel. I don't think I do either. I don't think that would be fun. Yeah. And I would not be able to do what I do. You, you're under a higher level of scrutiny because yeah. at that point, Marvel's much more invested in what you're doing yeah. because that's their baby and they have to make sure that that brand succeeds. Yeah. And you can be more on fringe books and do your thing. I, I like that. And plus, you can't sneak in like penises and vaginas in the clouds <laughs> on, on, on those books. And uh, I am notorious for like really? sneaking dumb shit. <laughs> Anyone that anyone that reads uh, the book Carries Magic for Aspen, I snuck so much stuff into that book. Man. <laughs> I know. Esad uh, Ribic would sneak in assholes wherever he could, yeah, and man. editorial would go nuts hunting. They knew he was doing. They would just hunt it down and cover it up. Yeah, I, you can't get away with that. Kind I did of stuff. some stuff. I didn't sneak it in when Disney merged with uh, Marvel. Mm-hmm. I remember Deadpool. I had a shower scene, so I put all the up characters on the on the uh, shower curtain. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for permission. I didn't want to bring it to anyone's attention, but I thought right. it was safe. Right, and uh, they covered it up. Really? Mm-hmm. They 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 took it out. Now I just had to do a giant mural in the Phantom X book. That's basically a, a kid. He's in this creepy ass underwater 
lab, mm-hmm. and it's just empty with just walls. And on the walls is a big mural, like what you'd see in a kid's bathroom of like sea animals. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the dialogue, you know, and then as he looks over, these cartoony animals morph into this giant kraken like beast in the mural. Right. And the dialogue something like Pixar meets Lovecraft. So I made the kids' mural, the tank gang from Nemo. Ah, okay. Now I drew it my way. Right. But I'm I don't think they can cover it up. <laughs> and the pencils got through okay. Uh I don't know. I, I Maybe you should have kept that silent. <laughs> well it'll be done. This this'll be out. That that issue will be right, gone. Right, good, gone. good, good. But uh, I don't mean it's Disney and Marvel. It should be cool. I mean, uh, you know, I'll say this. Um, the last three years I've been doing work for the, like more the mid-level to small companies like mm-hmm. Boom and Aspen. I'm doing a book for Image now. There's there's a certain freedom in working for those companies because I feel like when I was working at Marvel, I was trying to please them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to, to, to discuss a little bit because I felt that for a long time. Yeah. And I realized... That's a trap. Yeah. What what happens is when you get in, you start playing the game of I want to make them happy. Right. And so you're not being honest in your work. That's true. And so then yep. your work suffers a bit. Yeah. And I find that like no matter how much they would like they would Marvel would say and they're just trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And Marvel would say, you know, you know, tone down this or tweak up that. And I would do that. The minute I stopped listening to that yep. and started playing up those things I was supposed to turn down because that's naturally what I do. Yep. I got this these look great. Yeah. I was like, wait, well, yeah. I was told to tone. Isn't that, that crazy down how that shit happens? Yeah. Because it's it's just what what you this is for everyone out there. You have to be honest in your work. Yeah. Because the minute you're 100% honest in your work, people respond to it. Yep. It shows and, when you're having fun on that right, page. Right, right. And I mean, it's I think like people like Murphy, it's just him being honest in his work, doing yeah. what he does. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it, it's a hard game because you do get into that mindset of like, all right, um, you know, Marvel brings you in. They want you to succeed. They yes. want you. They don't want you to come in and then everything goes to shit. The, everyone hates it. Yeah. And then they're like, look, people like this at Marvel books and people like that at Marvel books. It's all just trying to help you. Yeah. But they it's want when you to you'd be like. Right. Yeah. And, and so you're like, all right, let me try that. Let me try that. But it's when you're like, okay, wait a minute. That doesn't feel right. Let me just do what I do mm-hmm. that feels right. That's when people will respond to it. And that's yeah. a hard thing to do because in a way you feel like you're going against what Marvel told you. But Marvel's just trying to throw you helpful hints. They're not telling you you have to do this. Yeah. And in a way you feel like, well, you're, you're starting to step out of the crowd and you're, you're naked. Yeah, because now it's like, oh well, this is what I do. It's a little different. Yeah, but that's it's, when people respond to it. I, I think. wish I had figured that out a long time ago, man. It took me a long time. It, it wasn't until maybe the last couple of years when I just got comfortable with doing what I do. Yeah, and then I, I noticed as a result, the jobs that I got were so much more in line with what I do, anyways. Yeah, that's true. I was trying to fit too. myself into holes where maybe, right. Maybe I'm not meant to do that kind right. of stuff. You right, right. You're saying? trying to fit yourself into somewhere instead yeah. of. You got you're you got to make your brand known, and then exactly. find, they'll find yeah, where it yeah. fits so better. It's it's great that I finally figured that out. I just wish I could have figured that out. A lot yeah, sooner. I think that's experience. It's the only yeah. thing experience. I mean, some people figure it out early. So it's just everyone's got their own journey. Right. All right. Before we close it off, a- anything you want to touch on that we haven't touched on? Uh, 
No, not not really, man. Um, just you know, have fun, man. Enjoy life, cause uh, you, you never know when this ride's gonna end. So like, I know I I certainly from my friends know I bitch about a lot of stuff, but at we the end of the do. day, I'm um I'm I'm a pretty happy guy. So you know, and I try to tell myself once a day, like, man, this is awesome. What I do is awesome. That's important. Um, so just just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy the ride. Cool. Even with the aches and pains. Even with those. God <laughs> right. damn it. Thanks, Kari. All right, man. Take care. All right. Sorry, we, we're back. I, I fucked up. Um, Kari's in a studio, and yes. I want to give him his uh, his pimp time. So, what studio are you in, Kari? I mean, the, the studio is called uh, Hypothetical Island. Um, it's just a, it's a bunch of artists. I mean, they're, they're really there was a point when I, I was just getting sick of uh, sitting at home by myself talking to the cat. So I was just like, I need to get out. I need to get out of the house, man. So um, my friend Riley Brown, he invited me to the studio, and I just loved the atmosphere of being around other artists. Yeah, that it was it was great. Um, I would like that. I think I would it's, like that. It's it's necessary. I mean, you know, I'm good working by myself. It's not a problem. But sometimes you need that social interaction so you're not just going crazy. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. Plus, you get a uh, to have other creative eyes around to help problem solve. Yeah, I could see that being fun. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, your sites, Twitter, whatever. Uh, my main site um, is is corrupt dot com. That's k h a r u p t dot com. Uh, my Twitter is just my name, Kari Randolph. Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on DeviantArt. If you Google me, it'll all come up. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm mostly on Twitter these days. Twitter's where I talk the most shit. Yeah, I think Twitter is it's the it's where most people play their game. Yeah, but all those other sites are good. So check out Kari. Um, not that you need my promotion, but if this gets one new fan of yours, I'll it's take worth any it. promotion I can get. <laughs> all right, thanks, Kari. All right, brother, take care. That was good. That was a good interview with Kari. I, I really enjoyed having that one. I hope you did too. Uh, thanks for tolerating that intro. I was, I was cranky. I just recorded that and hit stop, and now I'm recording this. And uh, I feel like I exercised, exercised the demon. So that felt good. And I was going to talk about something at the end, but I forgot. God, I'm tired. I know what it was. I'm just tired. It's it's late. I'm at my studio. I want to be at home. I want to be in bed unwinding for the day. And late for me, people's not late like you think. It's probably 1030 here. Uh, but I get up early. I have kids. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm putting in the hours. I'm putting in the time. This is what you got what cartoonists do. And, you know, I, I rent this, this office space and I'm here more than anybody. And for all you want to be, not want to be, I apologize. That's not a way to see it. Everyone who's trying to build a career in comics or cartooning, I just, it's important, you know, what you're getting into and choose to do it. I'm putting in more hours than anyone in this building and everyone in this building is driving 
Mercedes and BMWs and shit. So I'm driving a Honda. And I'm happy. I like my Honda, but I'm putting in a lot more hours, making a lot less money and working in a like a business park area. You're just you're well aware of that. But it's late. I'm here. Like I said, I'm cranky, god damn it. But thanks for listening. Please continue to spread the word. Phantom X Max is coming out soon. I hope you enjoy it. By the well, around the time the next episode comes out, the book will either will be coming out shortly after. So we'll cover that when I get there. Tweet at me, holler at me, let me know how how you're enjoying this or whatever. I, you know, honestly, I, I hear mainly positive feedback. Some negative, and uh, it, it, that's the thing about the the internet public is you, you can't listen to the negative voices because that's what they do. They complain. They would never say it to your face. But I'm getting so much more positive feedback. So thanks for everyone. The positive always outweighs the negative, and please don't ever hesitate. Tweet at me whatever, tumble me, email me, whatever. I like hearing it. It really, I I like to know I'm reaching people and I'm getting tons of feedback that uh, this is helping people in different ways. So that's cool. Thanks for listening. Ink Pulp Audio. I'll see you next month. And I promise I'll get back to yoga. And it won't be so great. Get enough, but little that was that. Fuck around, you get slapped.
schizophrenic with rhyme, but the well organized, make the chick say out, and the brother say ho, you can't tell the motherfucker what to do with his life, niggas attend to live twice, so I react with a mic, it's the end of the time, so I got to get mine, and your roof, what's your function, meet me at Broadway Junction before I start to get in it, better yet I'll just kick it, and your son, if you're with it, Google starts to flip it. My 385 shot, I'll bust the bummer clock. He talks dumb a lot, so him shall drop. I got the clout, all you pussy rappers be out. From the get-go, I let go. Shit to make it petro. Watch some fly niggas show you how to rhyme, asshole. You know the motherfucking situation. So get down, get down with the Gangstar Foundation. Now I'm a touch on reality. Chumps can't fuck with me. And all the honeys be loving me. My style be kicking crazy, but wanna be's on their knees licking crazy, but your girl pays me, but ain't no need to try and stop her. I'm big papa, stay your girl, then I'll drop her. Cause she be working on my nerves. And yo, I got more game than the bitch got curves. I'm like Ambino, the slick head honcho, ill kid, ready to wreck Mike's pronto. And I know, I break your back with my rap like smack, because I'm all that. And so the next time, when you're wishing for my downfall, I'ma come back to drown y'all with stupid lyrics relative to a bloodbath and stay the fuck out my path.